What we believe determines our behavior. We run an Alpha course, which is a basic introduction to the Christian faith. And often on the Alpha course, what we say is this. We say often people comment, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. Anyone ever had that? someone say that to them? It doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. We say on the Alpha course, that is blatantly not true. History, experience shows us that. Peter Sutcliffe, who was known as the Yorkshire Ripper, believed very sincerely he'd heard from God to kill prostitutes. Adolf Hitler was very sincere in his beliefs about Jews, but he was sincerely wrong. Now, I know there's some extreme examples but it's true in all of life. Our belief systems influence how we behave. And I've put in your notes here, and there's no blanks today, just for the sake of time, but a verse that we're going to kind of camp around in a particular way these next few months. The Apostle Paul, writing to his protege, Timothy, in verse 4 of 1 Timothy, in chapter 4, verse 16 of 1 Timothy, said this, Watch your life, and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. I mean, that's pretty strong language. You will save yourself and your hearers if you persevered in being careful about your life and doctrine. For life, you could read behavior. For doctrine, you could read belief. Both are very important, how you behave and what you believe. But they're so connected and so important, according to the Apostle Paul, that if you can persevere in getting your doctrine, your beliefs right, and your behavior, and the two are inextricably linked, that it will lead to your salvation and the salvation of others. Today, across our three services, we have 23 people getting baptized. You guys that are in the room, would you just stand? Stand where you are. These are the ones that have turned up for this morning's service. In a few minutes, you can, thank you, you can take your seats. They were quick to take their seats. In a few minutes, these guys are going to come up here and do something which for some of them is absolutely terrifying. They're going to speak in public. It is terrifying. I'm looking at you. You are terrifying. <laughs> they're going to come up here, and then they're going to go down those steps into the water, which has been warmed up for them, slightly. <laughs> and they're going to make this public declaration of their new association that now they belong to Jesus. <laughs> their belief has led to a behavior a public confession of faith. As one young man who just saw the water here said this morning, they're going to have a bath or a bath publicly. They're going to say, Jesus Christ, they believe, see, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life. They believe that Jesus Christ is first and foremost in their life. They believe that he died on that Good Friday, as we call it, that Friday where the sins of the world were put on Jesus Christ. They believe that. 
but they believe he didn't stay in that tomb, that he rose from the dead like we've declared today through the reading of Scripture. And because of that belief, it affects their behavior. And if they are truly, and I believe they are, otherwise we wouldn't be baptizing them, if they are truly followers of Jesus and they believe in him, guess what? It affects every single area of their life. It affects what they do with their money. It affects how they treat their children. It affects how they treat their fellow man. It affects how they work. It affects their relationships. It affects everything. Their belief determines their behavior. So, here's the question. What do you believe? What do you believe about God? A guy called A.W. Tozer wrote a book in the 1950s. He's called a prophet these days. He's dead. So often we like to call people who are dead prophets. But he was a prophet when he was alive as well. He wrote a book that you can get online free now in PDF format called The Knowledge of the Holy. It's kind of a little bit old-fashioned language. But I tell you, every Christian should read this book. Because it fills your minds with thoughts about what God is like. And I put a quote in here by Tozer from your notes. He says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshipper entertains high or low thoughts of God. We thought it was about music and all of that, but it's actually what you think about God. That's what fuels your worship. What do you think about God? He writes this, For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. So this is what we're going to do, church. Up until the end of July, with some notable breaks, because we've got... We're Toto, we've got Margaret Stunt, we've got some other guests, John Andrews, and they won't be doing this series. But in the, those three months, we're going to be looking at a series called I Believe. And it's going to be looking primarily at our view of God. Not only God, it's wider to do with other bits of doctrine. Don't be frightened by that word. It's a good word, just means your belief system. And we're going to look at what we believe. Sometimes I think we jump too quickly to the practical and we think the practical, so, and it is, by the way, being a Christian is intensely practical, but as you said, it affects every area of life. But your practice comes out of your doctrine of what you believe. And so what you believe is so important, it determines our behavior. And if we get the belief right, then much of our behavior will follow. Now, let me just make this clear. I'm not talking about intellectual assent when we talk about our belief. Because belief in the Bible isn't about first what you know. Belief is about your heart. So someone can repeat some things about God, but that doesn't make them a Christian unless they believe it in their heart. This is what the Bible says. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You must believe it in here. So it's not just going to give you some more knowledge. Knowledge is good, but knowledge isn't all we need. It's a belief in our heart. And I felt led to a particular statement of faith 
that we're going to do over these next three months as a church. It's called the Apostles' Creed. It's on your little flyer that you got as you came in. I hope you've all got one of these. And we're going to look at this statement of faith that is ancient yet relevant. It wasn't actually written by the early apostles. There's, there's legend, and it is only legend, it's not truth, that the early apostles, you know, the ones that were with Jesus, got together after he's ascended, after Pentecost, and that they all came up with one line each. That's not true. It's a nice thought. No, it was probably towards the end of the first century that there was the first kind of creedal statements, and then by the fourth century, certainly this became the go-to standard of creedal declaration. This is what we believe. Creed means, I believe. And we're going to go through this. Now, some of you in the room here, you've got no church background at all. This is all new to you. That's great. Some of you came from a liturgical background, maybe Anglican or Presbyterian or Roman Catholic, and you're thinking, the creed, this, just is, this is just ringing your bells. Or maybe not, because you used to do it as a child and think, oh no. Or maybe some of you from a church like I grew up in, where we used to make a statement, Christ is our creed. The Bible is all we need. And so we never use this creed. But what I love about this creed is it's across denominations and certainly churches like ours, which for some reason are still called the new churches, they've never used creeds like this. Now we're going to use it. Hip, hip. Because it's good stuff, guys. It's good stuff. Now, I want you to know it's not the Bible. It points towards the Bible. One preacher from the United States just describes it. If I can find the quote from him. He describes it rather as it being light, as, as, as like the moon having a reflection of the Bible. The light we see from is a reflection from the Bible. So using the creed, we use it to preach the Bible, not preach the creed. So we're not saying this is as good as the Bible. The Bible is a book you should read every day, but it points towards. There are two reasons why we want to use the creed. The first is, historically, it's been used to refute error. It's addressed stuff that's been wrong, heresy. And there's a lot of wrong and heresy around still today. So it's good for that. It actually makes statements about that which is important. Because you know what? You can get into arguments with people about some stuff that's just not really important. Do you think, why are we arguing about that? This is, this is the doctrine that was passed down the ages by the apostles or, or, or through uh, the early church. There is the core of our very faith. You get these things right, stuff steps into line. So we're going to do it and use this because it does refute error. I believe we're at a crossroads in church history when denominations and groups have become very wishy-washy about what they believe. We want to be clear on what we believe. But the second reason, and this is the one that really excites me for this series. Historically, the creed has been used for what I describe and others do as spiritual formation. It's been used as a statement to help people know what they believe, which affects their behavior, but so as that there's something of a transformation that goes on inside them as they know what they believe. It's about discipleship. And so we're unashamedly saying this 
series, I believe, exploring the Apostles' Creed, is to help form Christ in you. Because that's why we exist. That's why we as leaders are here, to help you grow into the likeness of Christ. For it is the will of God to populate planet Earth with people like his son, Jesus. And though it doesn't just take this, it takes more than this. This is an aid, this is a help, this is a tool that will help form Christ in us. Ultimately, we want people in Cambridge all over who are like Jesus. When we came here, next weekend is our, my and Andrew's 24th anniversary of being here in Cambridge. 24 years. That was the second weekend in April when we first came. I've made a statement for 24 years, which I still stand by to this day. We are here to grow a big church. And people get all uppity about being big. But we know this, we can't grow a big church unless we grow big people. What do you mean by big people? I mean people that look like Jesus. People who are full of faith. People who are holy and righteous and live a life that's honoring to God. Now, we are nowhere near a big church yet. Don't ever think we are, please. Easter Sunday is the Sunday in the year in Cambridge where most people will go to church. But you know what that figure is? At max, and, when it, and there's more in Cambridge than most cities, it's about 10% of the population. So I checked the figures. What about 140,000 now population of Cambridge? I live in South Cambridgeshire, so do some of you. That's another 160,000. So that means in Cambridge City, Another 126,000 people this morning aren't going to any church. Now that's a big number. It means in South Cambridgeshire, 144,000 are not going. Now that's a big number. So you know me if you've been around a while. Until we're near that number, or until there's that number that are part of a church in Cambridge, you don't all have to come here, just go somewhere that's Orthodox and Christian. But until we get near that, then we'll start saying we're big. Right now, we're just still a small church. And it affects your mentality in the way you think about it. Because in me, there's something still bigger, and in you. Hello? Oh, come on, you need to smile at me. It's Easter Sunday. But we know if we're to be a big church, you can't do it by trying to be big. That's never been our goal, just try and be big. We're trying to build big people. And in building big people, guess what? You influence your world. In every area... And every part of society. In the next 18 to 20 months, you're going to hear me and the team use this phrase an awful lot. We want to go both deep and wide. On the chalkboard outside, I'm going to tell you and announce, there's a nice cross been put on there today. It's not for people to chalk on. We're going to put on there, towards 2020. Because we've got some goals in these next couple of years. And we're going to put under that deep and wide. And our goals are to go deep and to go wide. Guess what? I love our worship when we meet here. But I think there's still more of us to experience of God. I'm still looking for the day when in the middle of our worship with hands raised, suddenly there's a healing and someone walks in and they're in a wheelchair. And suddenly one day, you never know, it could be you. In the middle of worship, they stand up and they just realize... 
I'm healed. Or that before we've ever said to people, this is how you get to know God, they come up to the front and they kind of get us on our lapel and say, what must I do? That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Tell me, how do I become a Christian? We can go deeper, yeah. Ow. We can go deeper. We want to keep Sunday special. We can go deeper in discipleship. We want all of you, our goal is all of you, to be part of a C3 group which is a small group of some description. Why? Because you can't become all you're meant to be as a disciple of Jesus without getting close up with fellow believers who annoy, I was nearly said a bad word, but I can't say that on Sunday, who annoy you. But somehow, grace comes out of you, and those people where you need extra grace, they help to form Christ in you. You can't do that just by standing here on a Sunday and lifting up hands, because you look really holy. You've got to get close up with people and rub off with people. And that's part of discipleship. We want you to get vulnerable. And of close, we want you maybe to come on our academy, which is giving one day, or if you want to do it full-time, we'll connect you to something to help you grow in your maturity and your leadership gift. You could consider that. We want you to go on our growth track. Not so as we can count num- numbers, <laughs> but that so as we can help you in your growth in God. And there's other stuff that we do all the time. We're starting a, a partnership with Westminster Theological College uh, Centre, rather, WTC, Westminster Theological Centre. You can do a degree if you want, connected to them. They've always wanted one in this area, and we're partnering with them, launching it in September. That's part of helping you to go deeper. There's so many ways. I put some ways in which you can go deeper. What you can get involved in, the Journey Academy, WTC, Growth Press, Sunday Gatherings, just being part of this church. But we know this, in going deeper, we cannot neglect that we have a commission to fulfill and people to tell. So we're glad there's 23 people being baptised. But on the day of Pentecost, there was 3,000, was it? Let's go for that, hey? 3,000 on one day. Have any of you seen this? I'm back on Facebook, by the way. There's some guys in Russia, am I allowed to mention Russia, who are getting baptised and they've had to cut a hole in the ice and they've got two guys either side of them and they're in white gowns and they stand either side, they make their declaration of faith in Jesus Christ and then they just lower them into the freezing cold water. Next time we're going to freeze this water. (laughs) How's about that for discipleship? Oh, thousands of people. Just dream. Just, just imagine. I, I wouldn't do any preaching. I'd just get up. That could be an incentive, hey? I'd just get up and say, we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. We've got 3,000 people survived baptized today. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. We won't be having testimonies like we've got today. How did they do it on the day of Pentecost? Wow. More, Lord. We've got to fulfill the commission to let the whole world know. That's why we want to start online church, which is not about reaching people in this locality, but reaching people in different time zones. By 2020, we want to start that. We want to start a multi-site expression by 2020, at least one. By 2025, two. There are reaching more people that don't yet know Jesus. And we want to introduce them. Well, actually, we want to introduce them to Jesus and we introduce them to his church to be part of his community. We're supporting the Harrys in a church plant in Central Asia. I can't say where they are. 
We've just finishing what's called the Bridge Project, the first Cambridge Bridge Project, the first one in this country that's a partnership between a local church, Hope for Justice, and Hope into Action. So an investor has bought a house from Cambridge, it's in Cambridge, Hope for Justice are those that help those who've been trafficked through slavery, and they will be connecting us with a couple of guys that have been uh, involved in, in, in slave trade in this country. They've been slaves themselves. And then Hoping to Action is the house that helped to run it and do it all, and then we as a local church partner with them to help the guys that are on the ground. First one in the nation with such a partnership. First one. Just, just, we're going to go into the baptism, but just imagine, guys, if we get this right in Cambridge, there could be thousands of those across the country, because there are thousands of people in churches. I was in a church last week in Southwell. It's a beautiful city, town, anyone who's been to Southwell. One thing that struck me, I'm not being funny, I just thought, there's a lot of money in this place, and I could, you, could, you could smell it in the building. There's a lot. Imagine if they got involved in buying houses. And put enslaved, people who've been in slavery there. We, we could reproduce this. If we get it right in Cambridge, we could reproduce it. Thousands of them, even tens of thousands, across this nation. And we're part of that. Wow. Deep and wide. On April 29th, we have our vision offering. And I just want to say to you, it's going towards all of that and more, including the completion of this place. Because you think it's finished, but there are rooms that haven't got screens or speakers in. Or there's artwork or the seating that we haven't yet got. We've still got work to do. And we want to finish that completely. Because God's a complete finisher, and so are we. So we're looking for that. But I want to say this to us, and we'll go into the baptism now. The deeper we go... The wider we go, the more secure our roots must be in what we believe. And the more people we are, the harder it might get. And we, we're glad, by the way, if you're in here, the only time you come to church at Easter, welcome. Come again. Maybe, leave you, maybe come at Christmas, but we'd love you to come every week. Just come. But the bigger we get, the more we need to know people know what they believe. So our roots must go deep as our foliage gets wider, as our influence gets further. So we must be clear what we believe. The Apostles' Creed is one of the oldest statements of faith. I like that. I like that because people say to us, oh, you're one of those new churches. Yeah, but one of those new churches that go right the way back to Acts chapter 2. We've got deep roots, guys. We're part, the other thing I like about the Apostles' Creed is it's not with one just denomination. All kinds of denominations use this. It's not about being owned by one particular one. We've got brothers and sisters, family in all kinds of different churches. So we've got history and we've got a global family that are part of this, what we believe together. And this is what they used to do when they, in the early church when they were getting baptised. Those being baptized would get up and repeat the Apostles' Creed. So I know you've all been asked to learn it, haven't you? You look absolutely terrified. I know you haven't. 109 words. What we're going to do over these next three months is we're going to frequently repeat the Apostles' Creed. We won't do it next week with Fototo. 
But we will do it on the 15th when I'm speaking about Almighty Father. And we'll just keep confessing this. Hey, kids, you're in the room. You've been fantastic. In fact, you're better listeners than your parents. Why don't some of the children try and learn this off by heart? It'll only do you good. And I personally... Well, no, let me correct it. I'll present you with a prize, but the church will pay for it. You can have a prize if you learn this and you get up here one Sunday and recite it. All 109 words. There's the challenge. Adults, you can do the same again, but there's no prize for you. Your reward's in heaven, all right? Not a bad thing to learn. So before these guys come up here to be baptized, and they're going to tell you, each one of them, why they want to be baptized... I'm going to ask us in a moment to stand. It should come on the screen as well, but if it isn't, you hopefully got this uh, series card. I'm going to ask us to repeat the Apostles' Creed. Now listen, I know if you're a guest, you're thinking, this is weird. It really is. All I would ask is just watch us being weird. You don't have to come ever again. Just watch us being weird. We are weird. There's some of the weirdest people you've ever met in this church. I know them. They're just weird. But God loves them anyway. He loves them anyway. And I'm trying my best. So don't worry about us being, just, just watch us being weird. Or if you want to join in, join in. Oh, by the way, making this statement, like I said, doesn't make you a Christian. It's got to be in your heart. But this would be a good way to go if you do believe it in your heart. So are we ready? Let's all stand. We're going to say it out loud, then after that, we're going to sing a song that's about I believe, and then each of the baptismal candidates will come up and share their story. So here we go. First line, I believe in God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.